For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, a good Sunday morning. Good Sunday to you, and happy May. It's good to be in May, finally. It's your Things, birthday month. It's my birthday month. Things are turning green. There's all kinds of activity, tourists, visitors. There's a lot of action going on in, in the River City, <laughs> in the Garden City. The Garden City. Everything's up to date in the Garden City. you know. And, and uh, we have a sort of a splurge of activities in the manufacturing area. And one of those people is joining us today, Mallory Oteriano, who we first From met. Ewer. We first met when it was kind apparel. Yep. And then it metamorphosized into your apparel. And now she's manufacturing right here, you know, in our hometown, which is really exciting because, you know, manufacturing is a thing that's hard to get going and, and hard to sustain. And she's bringing it back here. Yeah, I believe this is the third time we've spoken to Mallory. Yes, it is. And every time there's something new going on there, and it's good to talk to a, a, a an entrepreneur who is building a business here and is trying to do as much of it as possible in, uh, in Missoula. And so it's exciting to hear about her new manufacturing plans. Exactly. And she, she'll she be bringing a special guest, Sarah, who's our manuf- head of manufacturing and production, to join her. And we're going to really dig in deep and talk about what that looks like because that is a, a real process to manufacture clothing and to actually, you know, you're still piecing parts together from many different, you know, uh, suppliers, if you will. Right. But they're actually sewing and, you know, finalizing the apparel right here. Well, what's exciting about that is if you look at the label of almost everything hanging in your closet, it's made somewhere else. Indonesia, right. Malaysia, China, Vietnam. I got every country in the world. I should put a flag in the map of every totally. country that a piece of clothing comes from. And here we have something that's going to be made in Missoula, Montana. Totally agreed. So I'm excited to talk to Mallory again. Good. All right. When we come back, our guest will be the gals from Ewer. Back after this. Arnie, we are back with our guests, Mallory Otariano and Sarah Cabral. That's pretty close. (laughs) Cabral. So, Sarah, Mallory, it's good to see you. Mallory, we've had on several times. When Mallory first first came on, it was in the precursor days of kind apparel, and then that metamorphosized into your apparel. And the last time you were on, you were talking about trying to create manufacturing capability here in Montana. And apparently that's happened. So for our listeners who have not followed the genesis of your company, why don't you give them a little bit of a background of how, how you got to where we are today? Yeah, totally. Well, thanks for having us. I started Ewer with a $100 sewing machine in my parents' basement. I was 22, and I bought it on eBay, and I just started sewing clothes and selling them on the internet, on Etsy. And... That was uh, 11 years ago, and things have changed a ton, but that momentum just kind of kept rolling and rolling, and I've worked with 
probably a dozen U.S.-based factories at this point. And what I've learned over the last 12-ish years is that uh, nobody's going to care about your product as much as you do. So we've had so many crazy situations with production that has motivated me to bring production back in-house. And in 2021, ran a really successful crowdfunding campaign to raise $100,000 to secure a deposit on a building I was going to purchase to start a factory that we were going to call the universe. And as most things go, it didn't exactly happen as planned, and I didn't buy that building, but we did get in a wonderful rented space. And now, almost two years later, we have Sarah on our team, and we have a small team of sewers, and we are making about 30% of our product in-house. And we hopefully have just won an auction for some other machines that would allow us to bring 100% in-house. Wow. And yeah, we just have a ton of fun. We're like, what kind of machines? Something called a flat lock. A couple of those, that's like the really flat, sporty looking stitch on leggings. And then a special kind of serger to attach the collars of shirts. And then uh, we were getting another press to put tags into things, but I don't think we got that. But So how did the COVID pandemic affect your decision making and your pathway to where you are now? I'm glad you asked that, Ernie, because that was the impetus. I went seven months with no product because my supply chain completely shut down and fell apart. And after rebuilding it several times, it just had no solidity at all. And I realized then that it was always going to be this constant battle to be a priority at a factory as a small brand, unless I did it myself. So I really struggled through 2020. I had a small team of people that uh, no longer worked for me by the end of the year. I didn't have an office anymore. I worked out of my basement and just kind of waited for factories to open up and try to sell stuff again. And but you see, so you controlled your costs and your expense considerably. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you right. have always had loyal customers. So how did you interface with them during this period when they wanted things and you couldn't provide them things? I just got on Instagram and I started talking about supply chains because – until 2020, I think it's pretty safe to say that nobody really gave a crap about supply chains at all. No one knew what they were. And then all of a sudden, we were really affected by them when things that we wanted didn't show up. And then everybody understood them. So I just started talking about how stuff was made and what I was going through as a small brand and the realities of the apparel industry and manufacturing and really resonated with people. And they um, really gravitated towards the story. And when I did a product, they were there to support it. Well, you bring up a very important and interesting point in the manufacturing world, which is for decades now, manufacturing has gone abroad because it was cheaper and the transportation costs were, you know, were pretty good and you could get it made overseas much less than you could ever make it here. And then COVID comes along and you realize it doesn't matter how cheap it is. If you can't get it, you can't get it. And that not only re- formed your thinking about how to run a business. But other other industries and other businesses came to the same realization. We've had other uh, guests on the show have talked about how right. to you know, bring stuff here. You know, the folks that do the e-bikes and, and other folks. You just can't rely, particularly if you have a, a customer base that's waiting for product on this, you know, disco, disco, I don't know even how you want to describe it, but this dysfunctional um, supply chain that that exists, and and COVID just exacerbated all of the all of the weaknesses in that supply chain, and so now you're manufacturing here, and you have a head of manufacturing, Sarah. Yes, so Sarah, yes. you're from Brazil. You studied in in Seattle. 
What's your background to lend your expertise here to your? Tell me what you've done before. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. So my background is, I started something I was five years old. I've been in love with fashion since I'm a child, sewing Barbies and all that. But when I came to the U.S., it was just to stay one year and learn English. I was in Seattle. I found this apparel program. I was like, well, that sounds fun. It hits the credit for my visa. I'll do that. And I fell in love and finished the program. And on that program, it's design and development. I learned all about pattern making, all you need to know to make clothes, from design concept to finished product. And I've been looking for a company that has the same values as I do in terms of sustainability and care about who made who made your clothes. And that's right. where you were came and fit riding with my with what I was looking with for. With your and, beliefs. Yeah. Can we take a step back real quickly? When you were five years old, so yes. who was your role model? Who was somebody who you emulated to encourage you to do that? Thanks for asking that. That's my grandma. She used to teach cut and salt for the city. Uh-huh. And my mom learned from her. Right. And that's where I came to see my mom sewing. My mom it's a really talented and beautiful Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So I started sewing in the real sewing machine, my mom's sewing machine. <laughs> and then Santa once gave me a sewing machine and I was like, Mom, I don't know what Santa was thinking about it, but this is doesn't work. It's a toy. <laughs> so yeah. How was, cool is that, though, that from a, such a young age that you were interested in this? Mallory, you couldn't have recruited somebody with more dedication and, and passion for their, their field. How'd you find her? How'd you find her? This is we wonderful. Yeah, how? so lucky to have Sarah. How did you we find Sarah? We found each other on LinkedIn. I posted this job. Some of those um, things happen. Yeah. It <laughs> was like the first kind of big hire of my small company, and it felt super exciting. And we had almost 100 people applied to the job and really yeah from all over the world and uh i realized pretty quickly there's gonna have to be somebody from not missoula yes and, yeah yep you, can't even, you can't even get someone in missoula to do repair of clothes to, to do seamstress type work i mean you can't even find people to do that you're so it's right dying art 100 yes. percent agree but wait a minute. So, so, so Sarah started in Seattle. No, no, she this came was here. always going to be an in-person. I feel yeah, really strong in that's that what product, I thought. tangible product. You have so to you be moved there. her here. I well, moved she moved her. She drove her. herself across the path <laughs> with all my stuff. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Was that nerve-wracking? Was no. that nerve? Were you nervous? No, uh, it's like I don't know. I've been moving a lot my whole life. I oh, lived good. in so many cities, so like moving, it's not new for me. So I was just ready to. Move for something to something new. It do you have relatives exciting. here in the states? I do have an aunt in Boston and a cousin in Houston, but that's it. My family, my mom, my siblings—they're all my parents are all in Brazil. And what do they think about you living in Missoula, Montana? They probably had to get an <laughs> atlas out, right, and try to figure out where yeah, the where heck is this is, right? Missoula. Yeah, I had to say. I didn't like, know how to say it. I told my parents over the phone. Yeah, I got the job in Missoula. I'm I'm moving there, and they're like, "Can you spell that?" Let me Google. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, where is that? that? It's is. very confusing watching the Celtics games <laughs> these days because the coach's last name is Missoula, but it's not spelled. the I same I know it's way. not spelled the same. But it is. It is funny when you hear that on it's the. It's like air. you hear Missoula, Missoula, Missoula. Yeah. Wait a minute, Sarah. So this is this. Give us the year. When did you move here? When did this all kind of transpire? I moved here. End of January, 
was of this year, twenty twenty three. New Missoulian. I am new Missoulian. <laughs> and it was really cold and from the tropical <laughs> so Yeah, that was fine. I learned how to drive dryer. Ice and Mallory dry. didn't tell you that summer doesn't. There's only about four weeks, and it it, <laughs> it, it comes and goes before you know it. She got herself a Subaru. And oh, that's yeah. perfect! Here on really, sub sub zero day, and she fit right in. Right. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And have you been going to breweries on your off time? Like, have I you been have, experiencing yeah. the whole <laughs> Missoula? So, so the program that you went to at, at community college, did they offer anything like that back in, in your state in Brazil? Was there any kind of similar program that you could have taken back home? So this program, it's actually not – it's a really technical program because a lot of fashion schools, they teach you the beautiful art of Right, the art designing, part of And they teach you all the technical hard skills. And there's not a lot even in the country. I think right. there's like five of these type of technical schools that – Wow, that's pretty cool. That teaches from all stages of creating right, the a process. So I, w- I want to talk a little about the process between the two of you and the company. I know from past visits with Mallory that she's the creative impetus behind everything. You have these ideas about fashion and design and how you come up with your uh, your clothing lines and – and mixing um, materials and fabrics and all that sort of stuff. How do you translate that to the manufacturing part of things? How does that creative process work? Sarah does a lot of construction and trial and error. Like she's down at the machines all day long, just kind of, I'll, I'll come up with an idea and kind of put it on paper or on a computer screen. And then Sarah breaks that all apart and figures out. She makes our patterns. So she is actually determining exactly what pieces of fabric we're cutting and how things are getting sewn together. And so she basically takes that idea and figures out how what all the sequence of events are that have to happen right. in order to make it and figures out what machines we're going to use, makes suggestions about how we can tweak different design elements to make it faster or cheaper <laughs> or – yeah. So she's. So you guys are really like a creative duo. Yeah. <laughs> and Sarah's first like full solo design is about to hit our site at the end of the summer, which is really exciting. If Mallory was the songwriter to the songs, you're actually the arranger, right? You're arrange helping arrange the songs and presenting them to the. And then writing new lyrics. And writing- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So there's she is the Lennon to your McCartney. Totally. How she, cool is that? It's super Pretty cool. cool. Sarah has all the. I don't know anything about technical design. Like I didn't. You I shouldn't just have self-taught. to. Self-taught, and Sarah right. knows exactly like how, how to. How best cool is this? Things. Yeah, it's this so is like awesome. you know what I like in this too. I don't know if you saw it recently, but um, Rick Rubin, the great hip hop producer, the great producer, not even just hip hop because he did Johnny Cash, Run DMC, the Beastie Boys. Everybody's famous. You know what he said when someone said they, they asked him the question like. Why are you such a successful music producer? What do you do? And he goes, do you know how to even read music? He goes, I don't know how to play an instrument, read music, or even understand how. I don't even understand that process. I don't understand how the sauce is made. I know what I like and what my ears tell me. And that instinct has has guided me for the past Almost 40 years. Did he even do Johnny Cash? Didn't he did he Johnny it? Cash's, a bunch of his records. Yeah, but the is. point is, is that he doesn't need to know the technical aspect to be a producer, 
right? He's not an engineer. He's not running a lot. So that's kind of like you. You're the Rick Rubin of, of, of apparel. <laughs> you don't have to know, but you've taught yourself stuff. But really, you rely on people to do that, which is great. Some of the best products come from that type of collaboration. When Sarah's someone's... enabled us to bring so many more technical things to life, too. Totally. Sure. That, yeah. So, so where are you now? You have this. Where are you, you have this manufacturing facility. You have ne- you have new staff and new support. You have this creative process going. What about the sales end of the business? Where are things at the moment? We grew a lot last year, and we're on track to continue to grow this year, which is super exciting. As a small team, we all wear a ton of hats, and I am the only person in charge of sales and marketing. So I'm pretty much responsible for every dollar that comes in. And this has been a little bit of a pivot to bring on a team and explore management and do a whole new thing. So that is uh, things we have such a loyal customer base that things keep chugging along. But it's definitely and you're building something that have base, to though, right? Back to. Mm-hmm. So because so, for this type of product, this conversion based product where they build these sales funnels, right, you are acquiring a bunch of new your interested people. Totally. And your job is to kind of move them through the funnel so that they convert and they they buy something, right? Because once they buy something, you are that's just another convert. So how does word of mouth work with with like social media fit? So so how does that fit into your marketing plans? Because you're very good, and we've talked about this offline, creating content and creating stories, you know, storytelling. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we had such an adventure in content last year. We were a team of three until the end of the year, and we're now a multi-million dollar business, which is exciting. And we've done zero paid ads to get there. So it's all through content creation. And I make the majority of the content, but I'll look down from my office and Sarah's out there with her tripod and her phone filming her process. So we're just sharing the behind the scenes stories of everything. And it's been a real the tangent of our social media has really become education on how stuff is made and teaching people that. And started exploring TikTok last year and had a couple of viral videos that landed us in some really strategic press and got a feature in BuzzFeed. And that was really just like a really an amazing infusion of traffic and customers. Which is incredible. And, and you do, how often are you posting and, and doing content daily? Well, I should be, but that's content creation and video creation has been one thing that's taken a backseat the past couple of months for me because I just don't really have a ton of time. But and, yes, and, and where, daily. how, and where, if anywhere, does brick and mortar stores play a role in what you're envisioning for the future? Sadly, I mean, I would say sadly because it's been a pleasant experience. Um, Wholesale has become a smaller and smaller and smaller channel right. for us. Uh, for 2023, our wholesale is. <laughs> dropped by hundreds of percents we have less than 10 stores that carry our stuff but it's always been a small percentage we've always been about 80 percent direct consumer 20 percent wholesale and the outdoor industry of uh, small brick and mortar outdoor specialty stores are just so, so many of our stores have gone out of business or owners have retired and it's not a really fantastic place for us to put our efforts anymore arnie you know the nicest thing happened during covid Everybody figured out how to shop from their home and e-commerce exploded and it's not going back. I mean, it's only you're so you're riding the wave of that important trend. And you, of course, had to deal with making it easy for people who have never 
felt or worn your product to be able to return it because people guess their sizes most of the time. And I know everybody tries to have a, a, a hands-on way you know, to make sure that what you buy, you know, when I buy a shirt or something online from a new company, they want you to measure yourself and do all these sorts of things. But it doesn't always work. Right. You know, and sometimes people who are vain, you know, think that they're they get two a 12, but they get a 10 because they, they're hoping that maybe they will fit <laughs> into it. Really I don't know about you, Ernie, but when I'm ordering, I usually order two sizes. <laughs> My medium and large. And now you, Arnie's dropped 35 pounds in the past. I know. Isn't that amazing? It's in the so last amazing. four months. Congrats, Five Arnie. months. Yeah. So he's now on, he's now, I'm not going to tell you size, but he's he's going down in size. Only clothes. Yeah. Yes. We do it's, something that's kind of fun for buying online, which other brands have started to do too, is we create sizing videos. So we get a whole ah. bunch of bodies in all the sizes that we make, and we ask people to share their height that's and their cool. weight. And you show them a video of somebody video that's close spinning to spinning around, yeah, so that you might see somebody who looks like you in these videos. And we've the standard e-commerce apparel return rate is between fifteen and thirty percent. Right, our return rate is under five percent. That's fantastic. I, I was going to ask you that, and that's videos. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, the video does make sense, and I've seen that on a couple of sites, and I'm I, I'm drawn to those sites because you can find right. somebody. You know, they say, well, yeah, you know, he has a belly like I have a belly. Right. Everyone's shaped differently. Right, exactly. I tell my wife that. And particularly with the fabrics they're using now, they're much more clingy fabrics than there used to be. And so some people who don't like to see all of their, you know, curves and shapes. Right, but that's who we are. I mean, that's the way We are people. We are individuals. Right. That's that's why it's called your. That's so true. (laughs) Talk about that. So how did the name, when did the name change happen? Because... The name change happened in 2020. Right. I kind apparel was the thing I started in my parents' basement right. when I was out of college. It was just not representative of what we were doing at the time or where I wanted to go. And I hated having uh, apparel after my name. I just felt like that was so limiting because now we do so many things beyond apparel. We have events and roller skating parties and we had a factory tour. We're going to have a plant swap. And so you were, as one singular word, allows us to do so many things. And the philosophy behind the brand has always been to express your individuality. That's why I personally started making clothes because I wanted things I couldn't find. So the idea of youer is more you. And so we create tools to allow you to express your full individuality and be the most Through clothing. And and while, as I recall, most of your clothing is female-oriented, you know, as I watch – Timothy Chalamet and Jared Leto at the Met yeah. Ball, dressing in feathers, and you know, is there is is there now a, a gender mix that's happening for for some of your clothing? Totally, yes, yeah. absolutely. We have a whole range of genders buy and wear our things. It's really yeah. just up to you as the person what your level of experimentation can be. We have talk. Of, yeah, you know, I I, I want to go to Sarah for a second, so. Just because I want to get back to her for a second, but I do have another question for you around that. So when you kind of came here in January and started to establish your life and establish your your, your working with Mallory, yeah. and this really is your first big job too, right? This is not like – this is your first big job. So this is a big gamble. It is. So how how is that – how do you feel now five months in? You know, I feel – I feel like – I feel – Let's see, the word that would best describe would be accomplished because I was like really chasing this. 
I did work before in another brand, a Seattle-based brand. Oh, okay. But it was the place I did internship, and now it's actually the time that I have more responsibility, and I'm full-time employed. Well, it's, you're being modest because we were. I was with Sarah the other night at uh, Mallory had a, um, a a party, kind of not a party, but like an open house, right? And myself and Grant Keir, our our good friend Grant with the MEP, were talking to Sarah about the manufacturing process and the different machinery and the different patterns and that. And she took us through this, and I swear to God, it was the first time someone's ever explained how things are made. Like I don't even, I, and I'm telling you, from you're really good at that. <laughs> yeah, from start to finish. Like, when does the color go in? Well, th- well, that. But like, right? Because Mallory, they're getting all of their materials from other places, correct? Right now, but eventually, who knows? Right? Who knows? Yeah. Right? But that. But Sarah was describing that to me and to Grant Arnie, and uh, it made sense to me. Like I had never thought about it, and it was just very. You were very methodical about explaining it, but it was not boring. Like I, right. I got it. So I feel how did like you learn that? Because I'm so excited about clothing, <laughs> like I can right. make it sound exciting. I, I have passion. A, is I have a prediction. What's that? I think that they're going to have at some point a retail store in Missoula. That's my prediction. They had at one point. I, don't, I know, but, but but now that Revolver is open for men. Have you been at Revolver? Oh, yes. I've not been there. Yeah. The the. It's a great you, store. You comp- your products compete at that level. I mean, they have shirts for a hundred and you know, men's shirts for one hundred twenty five dollars. This is not competing with Coles or Dillard's or I mean, no. it is, and and there's a market here for that. And your products are not products that you that you would find in a place like Coles or at uh, Target or any of those. You're a higher class. Um, That's a great point, or actually, Mallory. Is that? Do you ever envision that being kind of part of the brand story? Is having like not a pop up store, but having different retail uh, presentations of you in key markets and slash demographics, like a Boulder or like a totally. Bozeman? Well, I think yeah. I think Revolve is a good example because they're in Bend, Bozeman here in Portland, and those have a certain kind of vibe to them. Oh, well, they do. Mm-hmm. You know, and. We now have I – w- I was in the mall the other day and walked past Lululemon, and it was packed. And Thank Lululemon God. Lululemon is not inexpensive, uh, you know, uh, casual. Is it a full store way. now or is it still a pop-up? It's a full store. Oh, full good. Store, it was like 20 people. In, so so the, yeah. the market here is maturing in terms of its taste for um, <laughs> unique items. You're right. And price point. I remember when point. I first started doing this, I was selling at farmer's markets and little festivals like – Right, music festivals outside, and I was I think I was selling skirts for like forty dollars or something, and people wow. would be like, "Oh my gosh, that's so expensive!" Oh, I know. I and wa- now our skirts are a hundred dollars. Well, you walk into Shields, <laughs> and nobody thinks they're crazy. You walk into Shields. I was just in Shields and looking at shirts hanging. There were one hundred and eight dollars, one hundred eighteen dollars in Shields for a right. for a men's. You know, you're buying quality. Maine and Meisen or Meisen and Maine or whatever that they're one hundred twenty dollars. Yeah, you're buying quality. You're buying. So there may be in the future. That's my crystal ball. Yeah, a store it here would be that, fun. that would be. Uh, you know, a draw for people. Let's do a quick ID. Our guests are both Sarah and Mallory from Ewer, here, born, bred, and here, here in Missoula, Montana. Um, real quick. So what are next steps now with the fact that you brought production in-house and design in-house? You did, you did say that some of your materials come from other suppliers, but is that part of the roadmap is to bring that ultimately in-house or does that require a whole different footprint? That's a whole different footprint. But we do have plans to build our supply chain more deeply in Missoula. There's a 
sublimation printing company locally called Western Sensibility, and the majority of our fabrics are sublimated. That's something. What does that mean? That is a printing process, essentially, where ink gets fused onto fabric through right. a gas exchange. So it actually becomes part of the fabric. It's not technically printing, but that's an easy way to describe that's it. That's why I was asking about when the color gets it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we plan to build that out, but we're really focused on building our own production. We want to be able to bring 100% of production in-house. And right so now that's we're just first. That's first, yeah. We have some hurdles along the way, but we're about to be able to acquire the equipment that would allow us to do that. And we just have to figure out the staffing piece. What's been the biggest surprise so far over this the journey of the last couple of years that after you made the decision to go, you know, local and do this? What's been the biggest surprise? I kind of have two. Okay, two you, okay. You, so you the biggest surprise three. of like the last three years has been maybe it's not really much of a surprise, but the like most heartwarming experience is that community really has so much power to change the world and change people's lives and that clothes are not frivolous whatsoever. They really do change people's lives. And that's something that I didn't necessarily believe when I first started this. So that's been a really cool and surprising thing. And then in since we've been making stuff in-house, I think the most surprising thing has been that the simplest things to make, which is what we brought in-house first, T-shirts, we thought that'd be really simple and easy. Those are actually not simple at all. And How come? They have so many steps involved in them. Uh. And there are just – T-shirts are ubiquitous. You can't charge – $200 for a t-shirt. So you kind of have to work within the rest of the market, but it's slow and complicated to make. Right. You know, it's interesting you you mentioned about clothes affect and change and have all kinds of meaning beyond just, you know, putting something on so you can walk outside. I've seen a, a piece about, uh, you know, our friend at, uh, you know, at Facebook and, and uh, some of the other companies where they're right. always wear great t-shirts. They're $400 Italian t-shirts and he's got 50 of them. Mark That's Zuckerberg? What, yeah, Mark wears one of those every day. I remember working in uh, in delinquency prevention area and taking uh, you know, a young teenage boy to buy his first clothes that were his clothes, his own clothes that were not hand-me-downs from the family or from Goodwill or from somewhere else and how proud they became to have something that was yeah. theirs and something that they participated in picking out rather than just being given to them and this is what you got to wear. So it has a lot of emotional engagement with folks. Sure. How okay. did that? Yeah, how did you? How did? The, how did you figure that out? Like what? I always used clothes to express. I, style was always a way that I expressed myself. That was. I was always wearing weird things, and that's been a piece of me since I was a tiny kid. And then when I went to college, I studied architecture, and I thought I always wanted to be an artist. But I thought that was like pretty applied, and I could get a good job. And then. I left school thinking, ah, I got to do something meaningful, like I'll be a teacher or uh, do green building, something that helps the planet. Clothes don't help anything. Like those are so frivolous. What a dumb career. And then as I started into it, I just really, as I started to make things that I that people would buy and wear for experiences and reach out to tell me the amazing life events that they had experienced in clothes, I realized that these really. Like they empower people to do really great things, right? And definitely, and the individuality, creativity. No matter how creative an individual you ever want to be, you're never going to end up looking like Jared Leto at the Met Gala. Did you mm-hmm. see the photo of him with the big cat hat, big cat yeah, head yeah. next to his head, dressed like Anne a Hathaway? Big... He surprised her yeah, on I mean, the red was, carpet. It was surprising. Anybody to be dressed like that. You you know, I remember, do you think Missoula should have its own fashion show? Because you do have a lot of local creators. That would be 
so fun. That's yeah. something we've talked about a little bit, like a fashion week. Fashion week is this huge experience totally. in New York and in yeah. Europe. And these designers that pop up fashion shows everywhere. And there are so many creative people in this city that would be really awesome. We should have a runway show of some sort here. We can do that. We they Back at the old, they used to have uh, a fashion show as part of Blue Mountain Clinic at the old Wilma. The tr- it was made right. out of trash, right? Yeah. 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 Did you great. ever do one at Madison Square Garden? Were they ever a fashion show there? No, but I was at the fashion so – I used to go to Fashion Week at Bryant Park. Yeah. And uh, my friend used to take – had a photo studio there. So it was great. It was fun. I, but it was, you know, it's a I bunch see a of characters too. Here, KGVO and you're <laughs> doing a Missoula fashion night. You know, runway KGVO? show. KGVO? That, that may not be the brand <laughs> we want to pair with you or – no. But one of the Bongino and <laughs> Dan Bongino, Bongino and, and Crop and Top cat and Cathead, right, right. <laughs> well, Sarah, back to you for a second because uh, you are the newest member of viewer here in Missoula. Um, when you're not doing work with Mallory, what are you doing? What are you doing to enjoy yourself and to, you know, immerse yourself in the Missoula experience? I've been riding a bike, my bike. Good. I just got a gravel bike, and I've been investing in that. I've been to a couple spinning classes to get in shape. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally good. But one of the, my first weekends here, I tried for the first time. I went ice fishing. Oh, fun. did you really? I did. First I tried climbing everything. and cross-country skiing. Have you gone to any national parks? Have you gone to Glacier or Yellowstone yet? No, that's Not on my yet. list. I summer. Haven't. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You're going to come up to Flathead this summer, right? Absolutely. Yes, you definitely Have will. you seen the lake yet? I've seen it because I drove by when I was on my way to Whitefish to get my bike. So. Right, so you know how big that lake <laughs> it's is. Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And Mallory lake. hasn't taken you on any of your backcountry adventures? No, not, not yet. I've been making Sarah work too hard. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. work and no We're play makes Jack bike, a dull like boy. Summer uh, bike evenings or something. Jacqueline. So, so tell me, tell me what a typical day is like working at your Sarah. Tell me, tell me what, how, when it begins, what do you do, how long does it last, how, how, how does a typical day? It goes from... <laughs> <laughs> coffee. It starts with coffee for sure, but... <laughs> Not every day it's not the same because I'm usually like working different stuff. Some days I'm like all day in front of the computer like sketching stuff and drafting patterns. Some days I'm all day behind the machine testing the patterns I was drafting the day before. Right. And But it's sometimes Mallory and I, we have design meetings that we can be more creative and that's fun too. But the daily life, it's... You never know. Sometimes Small stuff business. comes up and we have to just right. pivot to another thing. Like you're here sewing, but we just right. got an email that we got to stop and ch- go check right. <laughs> and, and chat about it. So, And is that the same for you, Mal? Is that your typical – there's no typical totally. day? Every day there's is no starting up? Day. Sarah said if, for an interview a few months ago, a few weeks ago, that which I thought was so fitting, that it's never boring. It's what? never boring. You don't get bored. You don't have time to get bored. No. It's just like – you're like, poof, the day is gone. It's fast. What do we do? So you've been growing your multi-million dollar business. Do you have the infrastructure now to – how big can you grow with the infrastructure you have? We need more people for sure. The The human resources side is a struggle and a challenge. Right. And we're self – I mean, I started with $100. So we don't have a wild amount of investment. We just have business profits to be able to work off of. So yeah, slow growth and building a team slowly and strategically. If we – 
well, we'd, we might be able to bring 100% of production in-house over the next year, I think would be our goal. Yes. But it the focus really has been more on growing our supply chain strength and growing profits. So we've had so many losses from production contractors. Right. Um, instead of this year, our focus is profit growth and not revenue growth, really. But we do have the capacity to probably 5x what we're doing. We just also are going to need space. Now, sure. do, do you think a year some, and a half left of our lease? I was going to say, yeah, your space, you're already outgrowing it and you just got there. Do you feel like some of your best customers would want to be a part of the experience of working for you? Because there's something to be said for somebody who's so passionate about the product that they're that they're buying to be involved with it, especially if they have the skills, right? Not just randos off the street who like your clothes. We're not talking about Amway. Right. We're not talking about Amway, but we are talking about people that have the right skill set. We get a lot. We do get a fair amount of pitches, people reaching out who have seen the brand somewhere and want to work for us, but haven't really found that right alignment with someone who's be really excited and the skills that we need. So. Yeah. And yes, not, I'm sure our customer base has those people in it, but we haven't. And sure. you want them in Missoula. You really like yes. the, the the part of that. That's. We just made a big shift. We had a team member who was remote for almost four years, and we have made a big shift to no remote, which was a, right. a good idea. decision. But yeah, no remote. You know, and one of the things in, that you mentioned earlier about you know, sort of the um, natural way in which your marketing and sales develop – you know, it's um, you never know when something is going to hit that's going to make an exponential change, and not, not that you plan for that, but eventually it happens one way or another. I may have shared a story with you a, a while back about um, I'm in China at that time with Senator Bacchus, and we're on an elevator in Shanghai, and these the door opens, and there's these two American-looking women in the elevator, and one of them says to the other woman. Maybe they know. Maybe we can ask these guys. See, they had no idea who we were. And that was, that was the opening line. I said, what, what might we know? Well, we're trying to find a manufacturer for our slippers. Maybe you know who we could talk to. So here are two women from Sausalito, California, who flew to China without any appointments or any leads to try to find a manufacturer. And the reason they did that it's because in those days, this was a while back, Oprah Winfrey still had a TV show. And on one of her shows, she held up one of their slippers on the show and said, aren't these cute? And the next day, they got 150,000 orders for these shoes. And they, and they had no ability to respond to it whatsoever. Or the, it's, it's a, that's a, not an uncommon story. The person that goes and is pitching Walmart or pitching Costco and saying, I, you know, and they say, all right, I don't need 10,000. I need 100,000. Right. They can't accommodate viral it. on TikTok now. Right. Right. You know, and, and, you know, do you say no? Does, if, if Bloomingdale's or Bergdorf Goodman or somebody comes along and their buyer says, you know, we'd like to have a couple of thousand of these, you have a decision to make, right? If you, you know, do you want to go in that direction? I mean, there's pros and cons it? to the, that sort of a thing. Totally. Yeah, there absolutely is. And, and the, you know, being on, you know, one of these uh, TikTok sites isn't going to lead to a, a you know it may lead to ten thousand individuals wanting to buy, but it also may lead to five buyers for some group out there that really wants uh, to start featuring your your product at their shop or even private labeling. And maybe Rag and Bone comes along and says this would be great 
fit with what we're doing? Right. Will, you, will you white label this for us? Totally. Yeah. I actually kind of ran into that situation <laughs> earlier was... in the year with a viral TikTok. It was a kind of a call-out video I made wow. about a really bad meeting I had with REI a few years ago. They flew me out and personally invited me to pitch, and uh... it was just a disaster. And I made a TikTok video about it, and it went viral. And we had I, the dress I was wearing sold out in it. So that was really right. cool. But then a ton of buyers reached out, and buyers from big companies. And what they say? They well, we ended up getting connected with a buyer at Moose Jaw. Ultimately, price point is right. too high for them. And right. then uh, some buyers at Dress Barn <laughs> were like, "Let's get you on the Still. site immediately." Yeah, but well, it was yeah. a dropship situation, well, and it wasn't a good fit. The, I want to add a related question to that, which is your experience with REI was a story where you were kind of warts and all. This is what happened. I find it refreshing, and I think I've told you this in the past. I like the fact that you don't varnish it you don't clean anything up like your storytelling is pretty it's real so it's warts and all how come right i mean why why would you not kind of try to sanitize it a bit i i know the answer but like i think it's really important that you do that when what was that was that intended like was that purposeful I think it's just like it takes effort to filter ourselves, right? And yeah. every yeah. piece of content that we're out here ingesting is filtered. It's like social media is a highlight reel. There's in the ethical fashion and sustainable fashion space, there's greenwashing where people put this beautiful filter over things that are actually really terrible and prevent us from actually understanding what's going on with the things that we buy. And I don't really have time for that. <laughs> so. Well, that's a, the other thing is, is you hear this from me, a lot. A lot of musicians who make music and they said, I never got into this to be a social media person. Right. I am creating music. You're kind of the same way. But you, yeah, you have like 300 been able to followers on my personal Instagram. I don't use social media personally. But for your business, you do. And you've figured out a really important, you know, really valuable way of using it. Well, so, you work for one of the guys, Lou Reed, who never sanitized anything. Never sanitize anything and wouldn't know how to market things. Right. No but that's idea. the purity of a musician or a fashion designer or a creator that they shouldn't have to worry about that right. stuff. Have you had connections here in town? Have you talked with the folks at Biomimicry 3.8? Yes, actually. I, I gave a TED Talk the, earlier this winter right. and um, was connected to them after the TED Talk. Had some really awesome There should be some synergy them. between what they're doing globally – you know, and uh, what you're doing, and and totally. you know, what are they doing? What do they do? They they are one of the leading consultancies in in the world ah. that offer offer a sort of biological intelligence and oh you sure know, doing sustainability things and oh yeah replacing mm-hmm. artificial you know oil based products with natural products. They do all sorts of stuff, and and their network is incredible in terms of the companies that they are doing this kind of work for. Yeah, it's like how to mimic natural processes yes. in business and in like corporate structure. Well, right. that, that actually, it's really fascinating. Yeah, they're doing great stuff. That begs a question. AI, right? How does AI impact what you guys do? Right? Can it can it can it make it easier, right? At some point to say, I hey, chat GPT. I wrote I, a script, a chat GPT script for a really important business thing recently, and, <laughs> and it, it was worked? terrible, and I couldn't use it. Oh, you couldn't? No. Well, you know, you could have an AI character wearing one of Mallory's dresses, and all of a sudden the dress goes viral because the AI character is wearing it. But can you use it for like, can you use it like, hey, AI, I, need a, I need a design that incorporates these dimensions make, using this fabric 
and I need it to look like this. And will it spit out for you kind of a design a, a design plan? You know, this is I, – I, I, right now, perhaps not. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is that businesses are really trying to understand how AI is going to impact and maybe – in a couple, you know, in a year or so, it'll get you ninety percent of the way there by just spitting that information into that and getting something back, and then you just use that ten percent to kind of refine it. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, easy. What else? Any thoughts about AI? <laughs> no. I live in. I don't know. I, I can't picture that. Okay. Well, it, over, the, it overwhelms me. It's overwhelming, but there, you know, at some point there probably will be some marketing implications using AI. Well, definitely today, yeah, sure. even. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Our guests are Sarah and Mallory from Ewer here in Missoula, Montana. Back after this, we are back with Mallory and Sarah. Mallory, Sarah. So, tell me if I'm a customer out there listening. What's coming up? You know, when's the new stuff coming out? When they can go online and find. You know, new product. How do they get online? What, you know, what's your web address? How do they find you? And what other kinds of uh, activities are happening? You're hiring new people. Tell me what's going on now that we can uh, share as we look forward. Yeah. So you can always find us at shopewer.com. It's like shopping, Y-O-U-E-R.com. And we drop product every month. So we have a different little capsule outfit that comes every month. And... And what's a capsule outfit? Oh, just stuff that fits together, together like merchandises you, together. Like yeah. we just dropped a bunch of skorts and a few different t-shirts and shorts, and you can mix and match all those pieces cool. together. Good, good. Yeah. And then um, coming up, uh, I think something that we're really excited about is in October is going to be like all stuff that Sarah has designed exclusively. That's going to ah, be our first show. Sarah's show. <laughs> the Sarah show coming in October. Yeah, we have four new pieces that we've never made before that Sarah's done. What are Fantastic. they? Fantastic. Can we yeah. can we preview? We, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, preview. Yeah. They can't see it. Yeah, but they can yeah. just generally preview. Yeah. What are they? What types of products? It would be a full body suit. Full body suit? Oh, cool. Yeah. I could use it. And one it's of so them. comfortable. It's like I'm so excited. So comfortable. It was really fun to Is it tight it. fitting, loose fitting? Tight fitting. So if somebody would use it. Skin suit. Wait, was somebody. <laughs> or any, would someone use it for skiing or for winter activities or just any activity? Active wear. Yeah. It's active wear. It's oh, like, that's cool. It's like leggings with a shirt attached to it. Cool. That's cool. And this, so there's four pieces to that. There's a bodysuit. There's a blazer, uh-huh. which is like a tele- athletic wear, but really, really a blazer. Weird. A blazer. So you could wear cool. it to work if you were working in an office. Yeah, it's Good. really vers- you can Versatile. wear in different settings. Yeah, active wear. Good. And it's two. That's two. The pants. Oh, white pants. leg pants. Oh, yes. I almost forgot the pants. Uh, yes. The pants. I'm really excited about. I'm a white. Well, cool. We'll have to person. look at that. That's cool. And what else? And we have a crop top. The crop top. Long sleeve crop top. A long sleeve. Crop oh, top. my wife loves the crop top. She, That's cool. She, it's really the crop top. <laughs> <laughs> she knows your buying history, and uh, she returns every crop top she buys. She does. Yes. This is actually a well-known thing about your wife. <laughs> I wonder what that has to do with. Hmm, I'll investigate. You'll investigate that. And then it's as you're growing, I, I know you're probably continually looking for good new people. And is that the case? And in what area would they, you be looking Generally as you expand speaking. in general? We're always looking for production sewers. Sarah and I spend a lot of time behind the machines just because we're learning about timing and we're trying to catch things up and keep things on track and 
that's not super sustainable. And as we grow and get more equipment, we'll need more production sewers. So. Right, that will come into the facility, right? Yeah. They can't, you're not doing this piecemeal at home. Are there no. any uh, – is the local universities or you know the Missoula College, do they have any trade uh, programs that would help you? No, not the yet. costume design department? department uh, oh, okay. That might be worth reaching out to. But I think one of the big – the bigger challenges – one of the bigger challenges in that arena is that there's no apparel industry in – Montana. So wow. everything that we're like, we're going to have to train. We we do train everybody that comes in. Where's the so. nearest? Is it Seattle? Us, there's probably a little bit in Spokane, maybe. Yeah, oh, okay. there is in Spokane, actually. There's a large factory in Spokane. Okay. Yeah. But that's the closest. Huh. So we're in a wasteland here and you're the, you're the outpost. And how can people manufacturing find... Manufacturing outpost. Right. You're man, right. And the last best manufacturing place. How can people find you... Um, on social media, what's where are you social? We prefer to hang out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us at shop ewer s h o p y o u e r on both. Fantastic! And give us the website one more time. Shopewer.com. Shopewer.com. Yeah, what a good to place to end it. Yes, this wonderful interview. Our third time with Ewer and first time with Sarah, but third time with Mallory. Thanks for having me. Pleasure us. to Thanks see for you. Having us. We're, always, really we're always happy to get the updates and hear what's going on in your life. Absolutely. Okay. Congratulations and good from luck. You guys too. <laughs> okay. All right, Arnie, I'll see you next Sunday. Take care, Scott. See you next week. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.